Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Aaron Deal about how improv can transform your business and company morale. Aaron Deal, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am super excited to have this conversation. You have a unique background and perspective. I think it's going to add a lot to the dialogue that we have today. We're going to be focusing on how improv can transform your business and company morale. And I, I'm guessing most people um, who listen to this podcast aren't usually sitting around thinking, how can I integrate the principles of improv into my daily leadership and team building and, and such. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun as we unpack this and explore this together. As we get started, I wanted to share Aaron's bio with everybody. Aaron Deal is a business improv edutainer, fail fluencer, and professional zombie. I love that. <laughs> through a series of unrelated Thank you. dares. Thank you. <laughs> through a series of unrelated dares, Aaron created Improv at a unique professional development company that pushes others to learn, laugh, play, and grow. Among her many accolades, Aaron is most proud of successfully coercing over 26,000 professionals to chicken dance. Aaron Deal is a graduate from Clemson University and a former experiential marketing and recruitment professional, as well as a veteran improviser from the top improvisational training program in Chicago, including the Second City, IO, Theater and the Annoyance uh, Theater. Aaron has spoken on stages nationwide for all types of events and associations, including Disrupt HR, SHRM, HRMAC, and ATD. She is a member of the Chicago Innovation Awards Women's Cohort and graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. What a wonderful background. I'm super thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further? I mean, I think you nailed it. One, one thing that has possibly changed 26,000 was a total we made in about in July of 2021. So we've, we've worked with more people. So more people have chicken danced. So that number has <laughs> gone up. That's, that's the only additive there. Well, that's, that's great. So how much, what, what are you up to? I, you know, this is a good question. I need to go back and tally. I would say it's, you know, it's probably, <laughs> close like 30 in the 35s to 40,000s. I mean, we're, we're, we've been doing a lot of work virtually. We got back to some in person and at the end of 2021 now virtual again. Um, but it's, it's up there, but yeah, chicken dancing is kind of our thing. So okay, cool. it's, it's, it's going to be a fun show, Jonathan, just so you know, I have chicken hats, I have props. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to, to dive into this. Cause yeah, you're right. Not a lot of people think about 
their human capital and improv is hand in hand. And I'm I'm here to tell you, they are one in the same. Well, very cool. So why don't we start with that? Um, tell us a little bit about improv. I, I mean, people have gone to improv shows and such. I mean, we all kind of know what it is, but break it down for us. What is improv and how can we utilize it then within our teams? You want to know something hilarious? I actually know, I actually know the Wikipedia definition. And I'm going to tell you this, like by heart. So improvisation is the practice of acting, singing, talking, and reacting in the moment and the response to the stimulus of one's immediate environment and inner feelings. Thank you, Wikipedia, for that definition. That is the Wikipedia definition. My definition is improv is play. It is experiential. It is postponing judgment. It is responding to the last thing that is said. So being fully present in conversations, it is inclusive. It allows all voices to be heard. And it is a teaching tool in my book that is the most effective way to help teams with what we call power skills. Some people call them soft. We call them power skills. And it's because in that moment, we break down barriers of just the shields that we carry to work each day. We break down barriers and we allow people to be their raw, authentic human selves. And in that, in that authenticity and in that play, that's where we kind of step right in. And I hate to use this word, but we trick them into learning by play. Well, that's wonderful. And we, we know that play in the workplace is important. It's, it's a good way to just pe get people energized, get them motivated, get them into flow. Uh, and, and people tend to be just more productive, uh, more innovative and creative. Uh, they tend to uh, just be happier. And, and, uh, and so all of those are good things. And that happens when we're at play. Um, but play doesn't necessarily just mean that we're, you know, playing ping pong or pool or uh, any of the, those types of things that people often think about. Uh, maybe describe that a little bit more, um, how those principles of improv that you just described around play, how that actually can, what that actually looks like in the average day-to-day -day organization. So we use play as a way to create conversation. All right. So we use, and you're saying, let me just make sure I understand this question too. You're saying, how do we use play just without a forced improv activity or how is improv happening without coming in? Yeah. Yeah. Coming in? Like when we talk about play in, in the workplace, uh, that can take a lot of forms. And sometimes it literally is, okay, everyone get together. We're going to do like this activity. Um, but a lot of times it's just kind of how, how the, the, the work is designed and the work that we're trying to do, if it's designed well. So I'm curious, without you having to come in and do like an improv intervention where you're doing like specific activities, what are some of the ways you've seen play play out within organizations naturally? Yeah, I love that. Okay. So th this I could go on and on about because every single human being is an improviser. The moment that we label improv, improv, that's when people get what I like to call the sweaty armpits. I'm going to talk about armpits on your show, Jonathan. Uh, they literally get nervous and they think, oh my gosh, I'm forced to come up with something on the spot in the moment when every single day, this conversation right now is improvisation. 
every conversation we have, whether it be a meeting, a one-on-one, a, uh, a team meeting is improvised. But when we label it as such, that's when we start to get this limiting belief in our head that we aren't able to come up with things on the spot. Play is a part of every single team meeting. If you start a team meeting and you have some type of banter in the upfront, that's play. Play is releasing endorphins. Play is allowing our brain to send a signal to our body that I'm okay. I can relax and really great organizations and leaders and teams. They use play in their day-to-day naturally. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to force it. If you wake up every day and you send your team a Slack, a little giphy on Slack that says good morning, and it's a little fun kind of moment for them to start their day, that's play. Play happens all the time. And if we aren't allowing ourselves to play, then we're not really allowing ourselves, in my opinion, to live a fulfilling life. Because what play does is what I mentioned before. It's a, it breaks down these barriers. And I, I've said this before, and I want to say it on your show. We all wore masks to work before 2020 hypothetical masks. And those masks have started to actually come off in the past few years because we're more empathetic to each other. We're seeing parents work and homes we're seeing into people's homes and their pets and their lives. And it's less transactional. All of that is centered around play and empathy, right? So play is also feeling play is doing play is allowing ourselves to feel and not lead by transaction. So play is the center and the heartbeat of organizations and the really good organizations and leaders within those organizations understand that play needs to be top of the list when it comes to human capital. And when it comes to investing in our teams, we need to feel the feeling that play gives off, which is, I see you, I hear you, and I'm experiencing what it's like to be in your shoes. That's play. And we're human beings, right? We're people. And so part of what I'm hearing is just creating an environment of play is creating a human centric environment where we just acknowledge the humanness of those around us, which is so important. And, you know, I've been in organizations that have done this play atmosphere pretty well. And I've been in organizations that, I mean, it was the farthest thing from their mind. And in fact, they did everything possible to stamp it out. Like they did not want play. They did not want frivolity. They did not want any sort of lightheartedness. And it, I mean, it blows my mind, but they, they termed it unprofessional. They said, you know, this is distracting, um, those sorts of things. So how would you counter that? Uh, and I'm, I suppose you probably get that, that question or that pushback from leaders, uh, at least fairly often. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say this, what is beautiful about the work that we do is that, most of the time, the person who is working with Improve It is the person who wants us to directly work with their team. Sometimes it's through HR, sometimes it's through learning and development. And it's like, we want you to come in and work with this team. When we have the opportunity to chat with a leader and understand the challenges of their day-to-day, we are understanding, number one, what are the pain points? Are you allowing play? What are you? are you the problem? That's what I start to filter through is, are you the problem? 
And it's sometimes I'm not working with the leader directly. I'm working with the person who reports to the leader to book our session. And I can very clearly see what starts from the top trickles down and it creates an environment where play is not allowed. And that's why this person talking to me really wants us to come work with them because they see the need for it. And so usually people who reach out to us, they see that that what we do works, that it's outside of the box and that they might need something like this. When you bring us into your organization, we're there to solve a problem. We're there to help you with a challenge and we're there to start a, a conversation. And when I hear a leader, when I hear where the problem starts, because you can just hear it from the answers to the questions that I'm kind of pulling out of them. It's, it's a very interesting concept. And I can tell you that um, it's very hard to witness a team whose leader does not think play should be a part of the day-to-day. And I actually just had a, I have a podcast as well. And I had a woman on our show who studies epigenetics and the neurology of play. And so fascinating to learn that our brains, A, are wired for connection, but epigenetics do play a huge part in the way that we think about play and the way that we show up at work. So I, I, I totally don't want to dive into her space because this is her, her wheelhouse and she nails it. But uh, that was a fascinating topic for me to think about and just how we are wired as human beings for connection. And when that connection is, is not placed in the right space, we as human beings start to feel like we're out of place. And that you believe that you mentioned where they didn't have the play involved. You weren't happy. You didn't want to be in that space because you needed that connection and play is connection. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, There is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, we are social animals. We thrive on connection, even introverts. um, Even the, 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 the biggest introvert out there still needs connection. They just they, they, um, they use connection in a slightly different way, say than an extrovert, but connection is a human thing and, and everyone needs it. Uh, and 
And we need to just remember that we all came from a place of play. We all were children. We were all very good at make-believe. We were all very good at play. Uh, and then at some point, many of us kind of had it beaten out of us as you go through formalized education and you get yep. socialized into a corporate world. And, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you think all these, you know, norms and values and like, these are acceptable behaviors. These are not acceptable behaviors. And, uh, you know, I guess what I'm suggesting is it's not an either or it's not like you can either be professional or you can be a complete goof off who never like gets anything done. Like, like the, the two can be meshed and when they're meshed, it actually can produce the, probably the greatest outcome. Oh my gosh, Jonathan. Well, first two thoughts on that. Number one, I have a two and a half year old and I watch him every single day play. I mean, he is a, Shocking to everyone who knows me, a very verbal human. And he just has, he has imaginary friends. He has a very imaginative uh, personality. And I watch him and I'm like, wow, that's what I want to do on stage. I want to be that present <laughs> as an improviser, as my two and a half year old is with his imaginary friend. That's the goal, right? And you're right. Over time, it gets taken away from us because that, that fun vacuum is sort of sucking the, the fun and the play out of us to say, oh, nope, you must act like this in this environment, right? Second of all, to your, to another point that you made, I, you know, ask this people I facilitate to all the time, who's a leader in your life that when you think about them, you think of a great quality, you think that person is my Ted Lasso. That person is my mint, which I just binge watched that whole series. That's whole such a like, great show. That, <laughs> such a good show. I'm watching the final episode of season two tonight. I cannot wait. Um, but I mean, who is your Ted Lasso? Like that's that's the question. Who is your Ted Lasso? And more often than not, that person has not only I said, did, did that person know you on a human level? The answer is always yes. Yes. Did they care about the quality of your life outside of work? Yes, they did. Did they care about you as a human being and not a person performing a task? Yes. Did they invest in your, your career? Yes. So when you think about those qualities, your Ted Lasso, you think about literally the feeling that that person gave you when I, my, so, oh my gosh, one of the first words that comes to mind for me is playful. She was my favorite boss. She's still a good friend of mine. And she was the person who supported me to create this business. And she was my boss. I was leaving her. So it's, it's just, it's so interesting. Play is, and play is so present in Ted Lasso. We're going to go down the Ted Lasso streak here. Yeah, okay, it Jonathan, it is a fascinating <laughs> case study in leadership. Fascinating. Oh my God. I love him. I'm just, I, I, what a brilliant show. Yeah. And I, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's, it's worth reiterating. Like anyone who's listening, who hasn't seen the show, you need to go watch it. Uh, great case study, great lessons. And it's, it's a true story. Like it's a real dude <laughs> um, it, with a, his background is real. Uh, it, it's just incredible. So go, go watch the show. If you haven't yet, check it out. It's, it's well worth your time. As I tell my students at the university, um, you know, I often, I have like my formal assignments and like readings and case study assignments and write this paper or whatever. I'm always giving them informal assignments of like great movies, great TV yes. shows, like other things that isn't like formally 
necessarily part of the curriculum, but might be as enriching, if not more than the other things that I have them do. And, and Ted Lasso is one of those. Oh my God. You know what? You just inspired me. I feel like I need to do a podcast episode on my show about Ted Lasso. Like that's how much I'm into this. Um, so, okay. I love this informal form. This might be formal for me. I might be doing, cause I will tell you this. I did my senior year thesis in college at Clemson on uh, sex in the city. That was what I chose to do my, my thesis statement on. So maybe I need to do some research on Ted and just spend many Wonderful. more hours watching it. Yeah, well, and, and something that's come up a few times in our conversation today is is just being present in the moment, um, and that's one of those components of improv that I just think translates so well. When we're talking about a really effective leader, when we when we're talking about uh, a a really enmeshed team where they just get each other, they they have each other's backs, they're working well together that's the environment. That's where they're all present with each other and they're actively listening to each other and they're not trying to talk over one another. Uh, they're not playing these stupid little ego driven power games with each other. It's just all about trying to, uh, to riff off of what the previous person was doing, get like lay the foundation for the next person to have success. Like all of this just comes together within this environment of, of, authenticity, openness, transparency, trust, and, and people just being fully present with each other, not being distracted by all the other stuff or, or trying to, to insert themselves in some sort of an ego-driven way. Um, I, can, you, can you talk a little bit more about what it is about improv, like the, the actual practice of improv, if you're like in a comedy troupe or something, and like, are there, are there ways we can practice that kind of an element of, of just being fully present and mindful and, and communicating presently with those around us in that same way. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. First and foremost, they say the qualities of a great improviser make up the qualities of a great human. I am, I'm going to just use myself as an example. I'm living proof that improv can change your life professionally and personally. So just to kind of give you a quick backstory, I grew up singing, dancing, acting my whole life, okay? Improv scared the living cadoodles out of me. Like I was terrified of it. And I started to really find, I was, it was almost like exposure therapy to me. I said, I got to get into it. I've got to learn how to do this. All the great actors know how to do this. Let me try this. So the more I did it, the more I started to reap the benefits. And I mean, I had, again, sweaty armpits, Jonathan, I'm going to talk about armpits again on your show. I was terrified. I was, I was every single time I did it, I did not want to do it. I was just terrified, but I said, no, conquer this fear. And then it became my life's calling. What really started to mesh for me was when I was in recruiting, I worked at a recruiting firm. I did business development. The, that was when I really fine-tuned my training. I got very specific and I went through these schools of comedy with the idea that I want to learn this school of thought, not only to perform it, but I, I want to use it to help myself professionally. And I also want to use it to help others. I had this idea for Improve It. What I started to notice about myself, number one, I was way more present in my day-to-day -day life. Improv makes you listen 
to understand versus respond. Improv is all about reacting to the very last thing that your scene partner said. So you can't pre-plan. You literally have to listen to the end of their sentence to start your thought. Because if you have, it's not about being the funniest person. If you have a joke in your mind, you better throw that thing out the window because we're, we're in a scene of about, you know, two people going to Vegas and you're wanting to talk about this knock, knock, no, like that's not, those two things don't mesh to follow your scene partner's train of thought and add and respond to it, which is this notion of yes. And right. Improv also just made me not only a better listener, it allowed me to think more quickly on my feet. Cause when you're fully present and you're listening, you can react in the moment and postpone judgment on yourself. So that confidence booster is, is a big win for professionals everywhere, right? Not only did those things happen in my personal and professional life, I also just started to really see myself seeing myself in other people's shoes. Because when you start to use improv and you play and you, you are able to be a character, those characters come from somewhere within you or they come from when you're really in improv training. So it improve it. We do improv for business, but when you're engrossed in improv training for the stage, you draw from experiences that you've had in your life to draw out the characters. And so it was almost like free, not free. I was paying for classes. It was almost like therapy. Okay. And the fact that I'm able to use some of these experiences and play them out in a different way with somebody who knows nothing about this experience. So empathy is another word that I would use to describe how improv is just a magical teaching tool. And for teams, let me just say this, it really lends itself to this idea of inclusivity and support because Teams who have the improv mindset, they're listening and allowing every single person's voice to be heard. Leaders have the title, but they are the quietest people in the room. They're allowing the team to build off each other's ideas. And then we are together collecting and building something better than we could alone. And through that, that's where the magic really happens. And we see teams starting to support each other, to feel supported. And when that happens, that's when people want to show up to work. When people want to show up to work, that's when productivity rises. And then that's when yeah. people and the organizations they serve soar. I got really, I got really on my, <laughs> my, my pulpit there. I was real feeling it uh, going. I was at church, um, but um, yeah, it's, it's so magical. And I, I love that you see the benefit of it. It really is. A, it changed my life. Like, I mean that wholeheartedly. Yeah, it, it's so wonderful. Aaron, it has just been a real pleasure. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. But before we part today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, it's been a pleasure to be here, this flew by. I was like, wow, it's 30 minutes. Holy, holy cannolis. Uh, so you can find us online at learn to improve it.com. I also have a show, a podcast called the improve it podcast, anywhere you listen to shows and you can find me on LinkedIn, Aaron deal at improve it, or my Instagram is keeping it real deal. That's keeping with no G. Uh, and then Jonathan, I just have to say this. I, here's what I want to leave today's show with. If we and you're anybody listening, some laughter, maybe some levity, some positivity in your day that you pass it on to somebody else, because that's what this world needs right now is more laughter, levity, 
and positivity, especially at work. I love it. Thank you so much, Erin. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Erin and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.